All right, good to have you here this morning. I'd like you to turn to the, again, the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 2, and, uh, oh, sorry, Luke chapter 6. Turn to Luke chapter 2, you'll be in the wrong chapter. That's a Christmas time message. <laughs> anyway, it's Luke chapter uh, 6. I want us, again, to consider uh, Jesus' first lesson that he gave to the apostles after they had been chosen to be apostles, and so I want to pick up, again, maybe a little further back in the text, and uh, maybe we would need to be, but again, I want to begin in verse number 12, and I'm going to go only to verse number 38 here this morning. Again, the message is longer than that. Uh, again, it's a series of messages that he gave his apostles, but again, I want to consider some thoughts from that first, again, message that he gave to his apostles after he had chosen them to be Apostles, or we might call them missionaries, or sent ones uh, to preach the gospel to the world. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse number 12, let's start there. It says, It came to pass in those days he went out into, the mo- into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, who also was named Peter, Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called Zelotes, Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which was the traitor. He came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him, to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and healed them all. He lifted up his, his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed be ye that hunger now, for ye should be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye, they shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate from their company, and shall reproach you and cast you out in the name, uh, out your name as evil, for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did their fathers on the prophet. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Want ye there full, for ye shall hunger. Want ye to laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Want to you, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee. But of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. As you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank had ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? 
for sinners also do the same. If you lend to them whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good. And lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be called the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaking together. And running over shall men give unto your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. I want to consider a thought here from the Word of God, and we're going to zero in largely on this last part of the passage there. Again, this is the Sermon on the Plain, and I want you to consider some thoughts from this passage here this morning as we consider some thoughts on giving and lending and loving. Let's pray as we consider some thoughts from the Word of God. Father, we thank you again for your Word here today, and it's important, again, that we would draw our attention to what the Word of God says about the subjects of giving and loving and lending. And uh, as we look into this passage of Scripture, this is the message that the apostles were given, as well as the multitude. And it certainly teaches us some lessons that uh, we can learn from here this morning. Help us again to be a people that would know how to be truly generous and to truly love and to truly be able to give. Again, bless this time as we meet here today. Help us again to take in this message from Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You know, we look at this text and there's so much in this text. Again, there's people that have preached on the Sermon on the Plain before. And again, this is just part of the Sermon on the Plain that I'll focus on here this morning. But as we do look at this lesson here this morning, we know that we have learned in life lessons on generosity along the way. I'm sure you've learned some lessons from your parents on generosity. I'm sure you've learned some lessons from your friends on generosity. I'm sure you learned some lessons maybe as you're sitting at a, demo ta a, 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 a dinner table on gen generosity and giving. And uh, this teaches a lot of things on the subject of giving, loving, and lending. Maybe, again, something that you haven't thought about or maybe I haven't thought about, but there are extremities when it comes to giving. And there are certainly some lessons here on the subject of giving. Maybe you have had at times, again, maybe something given to you and you've simply just given it away, knowing that someone needs it more than you. Or maybe you've been in a situation where maybe someone has mistreated you and you wonder what I should do in that situation. As we consider these lessons here this morning, again, consider that these are some lessons on the Lord concerning giving and receiving. Certainly, again, I've known some givers in the past. I know some givers today. I just mention sometimes givers because sometimes I think people live their life and they wonder if anybody noticed that they were a giver. And that, you don't necessarily have to be a Christian to be a giver and someone who's truly generous. Again, I've talked about my mom, and I'll talk to you about my mom until the day I probably die concerning her general thoughts about giving. And someone says, why do you talk about that? Because just about every time I come by her, our house and she's in her right mind, I would just say that. She's not always in the right mind. Again, she has some Alzheimer's issues. 
But again, when she's in her right mind, she'll almost always seek to give something away in her house. Now you say, why does she do that? I don't know why she does that, because maybe she thinks her life is to be one of giving. I mean, I, I talked about my grandpa sometimes in Chester, and, and I knew Chester to be someone, again, who was a hard worker. That's my dad's dad. He lived over there in uh, Pelican Rapids, Fergus Falls, for years, and was involved with building and believed in working from sunup to sundown in general. That was the way he worked. At least that's what I'm told that's the way he worked. If you want to know more information, it's probably best to ask our first cousin, who's the oldest of the siblings that are still around here today, and, and ask Jennifer about uh, Chester and those things. But anyways, when I think about Chester, I think about his hard work, his hard efforts, sometimes him being a hard da- a dad and that sort of thing. But I don't know that I mentioned sometimes that he was prone to giving. He was, also, he was prone to giving. He gave, again, to our family Again, a lot of money over the years. And he gifted, again, a lot of people money at his death. Now, I'm not saying you need to do that, and I'm not saying anybody needs to do that, but again, he was known not only for being a hard worker, but also for being a giver. Now, there's some other things he could be known for, and certainly was known well around the community, but in a, in a small town like Pelican Rapids, uh, Minnesota, which is around 2,000 people, I think. It might be 1,500. I don't remember exactly. Uh, you would know him to be a builder, you would know him to be a hard worker, and you would know him to be a giver. Now, someone says you're praising someone in the past, and I understand that. Maybe people don't see that as right to do or, or needful to do. But again, I think about people as givers. They're what they call philanthropists, and you know what they do with their money? They usually give away uh, much of the money that they have, or at least large sums of money that they have. And as we talk about giving here today, I want us to consider some lessons from the Lord on the subject of generosity or giving. We could be a giver or a taker. We're already the takers or givers in general. Some people are givers and some are takers. And again, we should be both a giver and sometimes we are takers. But we shouldn't be, again, a people that are consistently consistently wanting to be given we shouldn't be like the horse lease that cries out give give like someone should give to me and so again as we consider some lessons from the lord on giving i want us to note some things to begin from this passage again i don't have time here this morning to spend a, a ton of time on this passage and I, but i'd like again for us to consider some um, points in this passage that are again i think helpful and could be a help to us Let's start in verse number 27. Again, we're going to focus largely on the last part of the chapter, knowing that this was written both to uh, the multitude and the disciples. Again, we'll start verse number 27. Let me just make, make mention so you know that I'm, again, speaking, uh, again, right concerning this. It says in verse number 17, it says, It came down to them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all of Judea, Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And so we see again a great multitude, but especially, I believe, written to his disciples. It says, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples. Now, was he looking at the whole multitude at that time when he began to say this and speak this message? No, I believe his attention was drawn especially to his disciples. Now, is that just the 12? Is that more than that? 
again, I would eventually guess it was predominantly just to those 12 he chose. And so the message is to them, and it's a message, again, that can, I believe, help prepare a person for ministry and uh, to see, again, what might be coming down the road as far as ministry. And uh, he has some things to be said about poor, being poor, and, and about laughter, and about, again, consolation, and hunger, and thirst, and weeping, and all these kinds of things, uh, again, before we get to where I want to zero on today. But I want you to notice here in verse number 27, there's a pivot a little bit in, the, in his thoughts there. He says, but I say unto you which here. I say unto you which here. Again, this is addressed to those that would hear. And so again, as we think about who this is addressed to, it's addressed to his disciples and it's addressed to those that would like to hear. And he begins with these words, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy coat, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. The subject deals with loving. The subject deals with giving. The subject here will deal with the subject of lending. It goes on, verse number 32, For if you love them that love you, what thank can ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them that do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. Someone says, Can a sinner love? Well, Jesus says they can. It says there, for sinners also love them that love them. They absolutely can. Sinners, unsaved people can love. Someone says, well, you've got to love in order, you've got to accept God's love before you, can, before you can give love. Well, no, you can love. As the Bible says, sinners can love. And anybody can love. And it says in verse number 33, if you do good to them that do, uh, which would do good to you, what they give you. And so you, you probably live in a realm and everybody lives in a realm in general. I'm not saying you all live in this kind of realm, but you, have in a, you live in a realm where people show love to you and you show love to them back. And people would do good to you and you do good back to them too. And uh, yet Jesus says concerning these things, it's really not, in a sense, and again, these aren't exact words, but really not a big deal. It says in verse 34, If you lend to them who, whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. So, so sinners can love, and sinners can love, and sinners can give. And so what, what's, what's this passage about? What, what puts it in a different realm? Well, it teaches us about what it really means to be spiritually generous. And again, I, I think about this thing of being spiritually generous. I mean, this is on a different plane of being basically generous or being someone who is a benevolent and giver. You know, again, I talk about mom up. She gives. Someone says, why does she give? Because sinners can do that. I think about Chester. He gives. He, you know, sinners can do that. You know, Christians can do the same thing. But they can do it differently. And so I want to consider, again, maybe how uh, you might give 
as a Christian. See, that's what this is all about. This is how Christians should give. Now, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to give this way. You don't have to seek to, to bless in this way. You don't have to be a generous person anyway. In fact, it says here, again, I say this again in verse number 27. It says, but I say unto you which hear. So this is written those that want to hear, those that are willing to hear. And, uh, and it's also written to disciples, verse 20, and lifted up his eyes on his disciples. And so, again, as I bring you a message here this morning here on generosity or giving and loving, I want us to consider some thoughts on how I can be a generous person. A generous person that goes beyond what it means maybe normally to be generous. And so let's begin, first of all, to be generous in a spiritual way is to let love motivate you in your generosity. You see this first in verse 27, it says, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. And so again, if we're going to love and we're going to give like we should, we need to love as a motivator. For why we give. You know, there are all kinds of reasons people give. Some people give out of guilt. You know, I feel guilty if I don't give. Some will give out of maybe, again, you know, hoping for something from somebody else. You know, if I give to them, they'll hopefully give to me. And certainly, again, someone may give out of duty. You know, it's my responsibility to give. And so our responsibility or someone might responsibly give. I'm going to give because it's the right thing to do. And so someone might give because it's right. It's just plainly right to give. But here we see again the motivation behind giving. I believe, again, if you're going to give in a, in a, in a, in a right way and in the best way, it's going to be that of love. And I'm not saying it's the only best way because there's another way that we're going to look at here in just a moment, but it says, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them that, that hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them that despitefully use you. Now, no one can naturally give to someone that hates them. Does anybody in the, in the re- regular realm of life give to people that hate them? Does anybody in the regular realm of life give to people that curse them? Does anybody in general give in the realm of life to them that despitefully use them? Some do. Certainly some do. But here's what Jesus is trying to teach us. He says, you need to love and I need to love my enemies. I need to do good to them that hate they hate me. I need to bless them that curse me. I need to pray for them that despitefully use me. I, and it goes on, it says, And unto them that smite thee on the cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take away thy coat also. Now we look at this and someone might say, well, you don't, you're not supposed to love those kind of people. You're supposed to, I'll just throw this out, you're supposed to separate from those kind of people. And I believe there's a time to separate from, from people that might hurt you. But keep in mind, these disciples are going to go out and be preachers. They were going to go to place to place. And you know what? The Jews were going to persecute them. The Jews were going to speak evil against them. The, the Jews and others would uh, seek to hurt them and curse them. And what were they to do with them? 
Were they to retaliate? Were they to get back? Were they just to hate them too? No, it says there in, in verse number in verse number 20, bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you, despitefully use you. And so we see in the Bible this thing of giving. You know, when it comes to giving, we may not understand it nor, nor see this as right to do, but we are to give to those who don't deserve our giving. They don't deserve our giving. You know, God gives every day to people that don't deserve our giving, their giving. Every day. Every hour, every minute, every week, Jesus gives. He gives a son to us, right? We have that son. If we didn't have that son, you'd be dead. I'd be dead. He gives you air to breathe. If you didn't have air to breathe, you would be dead. If you didn't have good health today, you'd be dead. All these things God gives. And we can go on and on that God gives based on love. He doesn't give based on, you know, these are the good ones and these are the bad ones, so to speak, or these are the right ones, these are the wrong ones, these are whatever. But it says here, but I say unto you that here, love your enemies, do good to them, hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them that despitefully use you, on him that smite you on one cheek, offer the other also, take uh, uh, him that taketh away that cloak, forbid him not to take that coat also. You know, Jesus taught them to do this and he did it. He loved his enemies. He blessed those that were that cursed him. He prayed for them that despitefully used him. He offered his cheek on the cross to those that would hurt him. And so if we're going to be, in a sense, spiritual as Christians, we should seek, first of all, to let love motivate us in order that we might give. But I want to say this secondly, again, as we consider again this thing of generosity, how can this be expressed by the Christian? He needs to secondly, or she needs to exactly put on mercy for the undeserving. Mercy for the undeserving. In verse number 20, 35, it says, But love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Now, as so we think about, again, how a Christian should go through life and how these disciples were going to go into a place of evangelism and bringing the gospel to the world, they were to, again, first of all, let love motivate them. Secondly, they were to put on mercy towards the undeserving to seek to benefit them. Love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. Not hoping that maybe they'll change, not hoping that they'll maybe in, in, in return give to you, but hoping for nothing again. Now that's, I think, hard to do. Or maybe you, you think of this passage, you think this is easy to do. But love your enemies and do it again, uh, do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he's kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. In seeking to be generous, we need to seek to put on mercy towards the undeserving. And again, as I think about, again, the mercy of God, the bountiful mercies of God, he is graciously and is always giving to the undeserving. 
And it says here, again, the motivation for this, or maybe lack of motivation would be a better word term for this. It says, hoping for nothing again. Hoping for nothing again. Having a mindset of giving mercy, not expecting, again, mercy necessary to be extended to us or something beneficial to come to us, but hoping for nothing again. You know, to, to show mercy to the undeserving, I think is best possibly, in many ways, illustrated through war. Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. You know, in, in a war situation, there, there seems to be, in, in, in general, you know, come, come, to, come to war, again, the rules seem to change. You know, during war, again, the enemy is to be disposed of, the enemy is to be destroyed, the enemy is to be killed. Uh, during war situations, two warring countries will fight against each other. And again, the winner will take all, so to speak. They'll slay the men. They'll, they'll take the pillage, so to speak, and all these things. And, and, and yet you find here in the Bible an unusual situation here when it comes to the enemies and to war. And again, I'm not going to look through this whole text, but you can look at it some other time. But in 2 Kings chapter 6 and, and verse number uh, 19 through verse number 23. Those are the ver verses we'll look at. Um, before that, you're going to see Syria come up against Israel. And uh, you see some unusual events happen there. Uh, again, uh, and, and you can look at those a little later. But I just want to pick up in verse number 19. And uh, we're going to see here mercy extended. In verse 19, it says, And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. It came to pass when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of the men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Now, just backing up, I'm not going to go back in the text, but backing up, it was Elisha that asked the Lord to smite the enemy with blindness. And now here we see Elijah ask for those enemies to be able to see again. We read on, it says, And the king of Israel said to Elijah when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? So he asked Elijah, the prophet, should we kill them? They're enemies. Should we kill them? Their eyes are open. They're in Samaria now. They're not in uh, where they were before. Should we kill them? Uh, verse number 22, he says, And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Now we see this as a very unusual, again, uh, again uh, uh, event as far as, again, what normally would take place in, in war situations. The enemies were lined up, again, to attack each other and all those kind of things. But anyways, long story short, Elijah smote the enemies with blindness, or the Lord, again, through his prayer, smote the enemies with blindness. We see there in verse number 20, the eyes of the people are open so that they might see. 
And again, the king of Israel, he asks Elijah, what shall we do with the enemies right now? Shall we kill them? They're all captives. Shall we kill them? They're all captured. They're with us now. Shall we kill them? It says, no. What we should do to them is give them water and bread to, as a provision, verse number 22. And then it goes on, and then he says, and he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. Sent bread and water before him, and it seems like he actually went beyond that in giving them great provision, the Bible says, and then sent them away. Filled them up and sent them away. You know, when you think about, again, someone being generous, so to speak, I think of people that maybe even in times of war show mercy to those who they fight against. Again, the captives were taken captive, and again, Elijah says it's not right for us to kill them, and so he sends, a, sends them away with food and drink, and they leave. And as a result of this, it says, so, so the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Now that's just for that time, because it talks about the Syrians just a little bit after that. The Syrians are going to come up and they're going to rise up a little later here. But again, someone says, how, how can I be truly generous? How can I be spiritually generous? By showing mercy to the undeserving. By showing mercy to the undeserving. You know, that's really one, one thing that kind of sets, I believe, not, not saying just America, Carp, but any country apart after a time of war is when they'll go back and they'll help rebuild what they destroyed. You know, Germany is part of, you know, you know, some would say a pretty prosperous nation today. You know why? It was rebuilt by Americans and others that helped them rebuild after war. A merciful mind, a merciful heart helps us to be generous. And so if you want to be generous, let love motivate you. Secondly, seek to put on mercy towards the undeserving. And let me say this thirdly, as we consider again this, this thought here, let kindness... Uh, be something that flows through you. Let's turn back to our text here. Luke chapter 6, verse number 35. Let kindness flow through you. If you're going to be generous, as Jesus certainly was generous, as he was teaching the apostles here to be generous, let kindness flow through you. It says back in the text here, verse number 35, but love your enemies, do good to them, that, uh, and, and lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And you should be children of the highest. Just want to stop there. I didn't t- talk about this, but you're going to be rewarded for loving your enemies and lending to your enemies and being a, a blessing to your enemies, whether someone on, on this side of eternity cares or not, or is concerned about it or not, or, or has anything to say about whether you should do that or not. Your reward's going to be great. You should be children of the highest. And then it says in verse 35, for he, that's God, He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. And so as we think about, again, how we can be generous, we need to allow kindness to show through us or to flow through us or to be a part of our being, a part of our doing. Now we can look at examples in the Bibles of people showing kindness. And we can look at life and look at examples of people showing kindness. But there's so much different forms of kindness you could show. And so that's an expression of generosity, kindness. 
kindness, like maybe someone maybe asking you a favor and say, hey, you know, I, I can help you with that. You know, even offering yourself in a, in a position, is, is there maybe something I can help you in doing around your house or whatever it might be? Maybe it's just going out and buying something for someone else to make it easier for them to do maybe what they do in general. You know, the little vacuum cleaner. That was a great gift. You know, the Watkins girls got for their mom. I thought that was a great gift. I found out about that. I wouldn't have found out about that. But I thought about that. That's a neat gift. Someone says, why, why, why do you do that? Who likes to vacuum? I know there's certain people that like to vacuum, but I think about vacuuming in general is just one of those things. Another thing you have to do to keep up the house and someone, again, can show some kindness to someone else by maybe buying something to help somebody else out. That's a way to give. And that's a good way to give. Show kindness. Find a way to show kindness to someone else. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that you can show kindness. You know, had uh, someone maybe asked you to maybe, again, run an errand for them. Again, I was asked to do that just recently. Someone asked me, hey, can you run this errand for me? And again, uh, you know, another person asked me, again, can you drop this off at the post office? And I said, yeah, I can drop this off at the post office. And on and I could go. And I'm using myself as a personal illustration, but I'm saying that we have all kinds of ways that we can show kindness to someone else. You know, kindness could be maybe making a bed for someone else. Kindness can be maybe bringing someone, again, a favorite drink in the morning or whatever it might be, but just show some kindness. These are ways to show generosity. Let's turn to second. Well, let's turn to uh, back to our text there before we move on. Luke chapter 6, I just want to mention here. In Luke chapter 6, verse number 38, the Bible says, Given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, I just want to mention this as, as again, I may forget to mention this, but again, I just want to mention, you know, how we give is a lot of times the same way we will be given or what we'll receive, or however you want to say it. But I mean, given it should be given to you. You give a little, maybe you only get a little. You give a lot, others may give a lot. And again, it just says here, just, just give so that you might have things running over given to you. Let's turn to Luke. Again, we find, again, Luke say a lot about giving, and I'm not going to look at a lot of the passage that deals deal with giving, but again, he had a lot of things to say about giving as he, again, again, seemed to zero in on, on money a lot here in, in this particular book. Luke chapter 18 here, verse number 22. Luke 18, verse number 22. It says, Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lack thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast, distribute to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Again, this is written to a, what we call the rich young ruler. And he tells the rich young ruler, distribute unto the poor. Distribute. Take what you have and give it away. Again, giving things away is something, again, that Christians should be known for. We should be known to be givers. We should be known to be kind. We should be known to be uh, people that give mercy to the undeserving. 
And we should be known to be distributors. Again, the Bible says, distribute unto the poor. Distributor. You can be, choose to be a distributor, or you can choose to be, in a sense, a sponge. Some choose to be a sponge. Some choose to distribute. And some choose to do something in between. I get that. But be generous. Be a distributor to the poor, to those that need against something from you or something that you could provide to be a blessing to someone else. You say, why do this? Well, turn back to Luke chapter 6, verse number 38. It says, give and it shall be given you good measure, pressed down, a shake together, and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. If we give, we in turn will be given. And certainly that's a good reason for us to seek to give. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. As we talk about this subject of giving, again, uh, some people want to hear about giving. Again, and this is written to again, those that would hear and those that want to hear. Uh, these are just some thoughts on on giving, again, from the Bible, there's certainly lots of different thoughts concerning giving. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6, it says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And so again, when it comes to being generous, you can choose how you give. You can choose how you give. You can be the sparing sparingly type of a giver. Here it says sparingly type of giver. That is, again, someone who gives, gives. Certainly they give. They give some. Sparingly mean probably more along the lines of little or something along that lines. And then it talks about the bountiful. The bountiful giver. And again, it mentions here again that, that person being a bountiful giver also reaping the bounty of his giving. There goes on there, it says, Every man according as his purpose is in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly. And most time we'll say that's because, you know, someone has to, not grudgingly. I mean, I guess so. Or of necessity. I have to, you know, of necessity. If I don't give, you know, I'm going to lose, so to speak. For God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, God would have us to cheerfully give. And I just mentioned that here in the test, to cheerfully give. Uh, to not only want to give and to love in giving, but also to cheerfully give. We can give of, 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 of in a grudgingly kind of a setting. We can give out a necessity. Someone says, well, well, if I don't give, you know, whatever it might be, you know, I'm going to lose the blessings of God or whatever it might be. But we find here the message here to be, be again giving because that's in a sense what you're going to be getting. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, God is continually giving to everyone on a continual basis in a bountiful way. We don't probably see the bountiful way of His giving. He gives us love, He gives us life, He gives us all the things we need in our. In our life, he gives us hands to work and he gives us opportunities to do different things. And, and he generously and continuously and uh, miraculously and bountifully gives to us. 
1 Corinthians 4, verse number 2, the Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So I want to say this finally when it comes to, again, some again practical ways that we can have it. It mentions, again, to be giving as a steward to be faithful in our giving. It goes on and says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged the man's judgment, yea, I judge of uh, no one but myself, for I know nothing myself, yet I, I, am I not hereby justified, but he that judges me is the Lord. And it uh, goes on, and therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Again, I just go through that just to say, you know, when it comes to your stewardship, when it comes to your life, again, we should steward over those things well. Again, a steward takes care of something else's stuff. And again, we are God's property. He gives us his property. We have some of his possessions. We have some of his gifts or abilities. And uh, it mentions it is required that man be found faithful. And say, when I say, again, be, be generous, Again, sometimes, again, when it comes to generosity, there's a need for this good stewardship, uh, again, to be able to distribute and to give. But uh, let's turn over to Mark chapter 12. Again, I don't want to extend the message too long here today, but let's turn over to Mark chapter 12. I just want to look at some examples of generosity. Now, again, as we look at these examples of generosity, there are many different examples in the Bible of generosity, again, a preacher could go to. But I want to just bring your attention, first of all, to this example in the Bible of a woman giving out of extreme generosity. I say extreme because it's just not normal generosity. Look here in Mark chapter 12, and uh, Jesus notes this. Mark chapter 12, verse number 41 through verse number 44. Mark chapter uh, 12, verse number 41 through 44. It says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And she called unto disciples and say unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow had cast more in than all they that have cast in the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now, I've looked at this text sometimes and I've just kind of wondered, you know, have you ever wondered things like maybe along the lines of, why would she throw in everything she has? Have you ever thought that way? Maybe, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But have you ever thought that way? Like, why would this poor widow woman cast in all that she has? She casts in all that she has. What is she going to be able to do the next week when she, you know, is living? You know, I would say, you know, to me, I'd be like, uh, you know, she gave away all she has. What's she going to do next week? She threw away all her living. And, and Jesus seems to commend this here. And, and, and you might think, and again, these are my thoughts. These aren't the thoughts of the text, but it's like, 
Uh, she threw in all her living. She gave all. You know, what is, what is she expecting? Is she expecting a return? Is she expecting, again, people to notice? No, it, all, all it says in the text doesn't tell us her motivator, but it says that she cast in, verse number 43, she threw, she threw in all that she has. This poor woman, widow woman gave all and they cast that into the treasury. And so she, she gave all. And I just want to say this is an extreme kind of generosity. An extreme kind of generosity. This is not the type of generosity that you might say you have to be involved with or I have to be involved with. And, and I would get that. Someone says, well, do you have to cast in all that you have, so to speak, to, to be a benevolent giver? No, I don't believe that's true. And I know the Bible doesn't teach that's the true. I'm not saying cast in all you have, but she did cast in all you have. But the lesson here that Jesus wants to, us to catch here is that there was a difference in giving. Let's go back to the text there. There, In uh, verse number 42, it says, And there came a certain poor woman, and she threw in her two mites, which was a farthing. And she called on him, his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto them, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which cast in the treasury. I just want to stop there. She cast more in? How could she cast throw more in? She didn't cast more in. These guys threw in all kinds of stuff. It says that in the text as you read on here. What did she do here? It says, for all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. What do we see here in the Bible? What we see here is someone giving much when they have little. What do we see in this text? We see, again, some people giving much, but having much, or having lots. You know, there's a difference in giving. Again, someone can abundantly or bountifully give out of their bounty, so to speak. And someone can, of their little, still give of their little. What our text is teaching us that we should be seeking, I believe, to give what we can to God. Now, what we can to God is going to differ. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, I, if I had more time, I'd spend more time over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But we see an example, I believe, of benevolent giving and, and helpful giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as the Macedonian churches here were giving. And someone says, well, the Macedonian churches must have been a group of churches that were rich, so they gave. Well, that's not the case. Let's read about the churches of Macedonia here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number four, 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how in their great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality, for to their power I bear them record, yea, beyond their power they are willing, willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry of the saints. And this they did not as we had hoped, but they first gave their own selves unto the Lord and unto us, inasmuch as they, we desired Titus, that as he had begun so, he would also finish in you the same grace." And again, you see again this, this giving here. The Bible describes their giving. It says, 
mentions there in verse number two, their deep poverty. These are, we would say people that are very poor, or maybe we would use terms like dirt poor. Deep poverty led to what? The riches of liberality. Uh, but where did their liberality begin? In verse number five, it says they first gave of their own self to the Lord. You know, liberality a lot of times starts with first giving yourself to the Lord. And then it says, and unto us. And unto us. God would have us to give unto the Lord and give unto other people. God's not worried about the monetary gift, the amount, so to speak, that we give, but that we would give of ourselves to the Lord. Paul encouraged Christians to give. And I, I, this morning, am trying to encourage you to give. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Not as the world gives, not as the world lends, not as the world loves. You know, for us to love people that love us, that's actually kind of easy to do. To give to people that, again, again, give to us, that's easy for us to do or easier for us to do. Again, to lend to people that lend to us or maybe would... Uh, maybe return to us what would be lent to us, that's easy for us to do. But he's encouraging them to give beyond that and to love beyond that and to lend beyond that. Romans chapter 12, verse number one, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's turn back to our text there. You know, what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God? It's, it's not to give and to love and to land like the world would. What we see in our text is to do beyond that. And again, I just want to read through the text here and encourage you to seek to be someone who is generous with their life, generous with their things, and generous with their time, their treasure, their talent, whatever it might be that God graciously gives us. Verse 27, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them that despitefully use you. So much there in the text we could even talk about even more. Love your enemies. There's ways we can love our enemies. There's ways we can do good to them that hate us. We can bless them that curse us. We should be praying for those that despitefully use us. And unto them that smite thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid him not to take thy coat also. Here's again an interesting part here. Verse 30. Give to every man that asketh of thee, of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. So someone says, you know, I need, need some money. It says, give to every man that asks this of thee. So what might you do in that situation? You might give them money. Of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Verse 30, taketh away thy goods. Isn't that almost... Could that be stealing? I didn't say stealing. But it says, Of him that taketh away thy goods. You're a Christian. We're going to take away your stuff. 
Do you think that happened in the first century? Do you think that ever happened throughout the time? Someone says, well, what should I do if someone taketh away my stuff? Well, Jesus says here, you know, this is written to the apostles. Maybe it's special instruction to them. And someone might argue this is for the apostles. They're, they're to give on a different level, so to speak. Him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Verse 31, as you would that men would do to you, do you also likewise to them likewise. In other words, the golden rule. You know, if you like to see someone give to you, give to them. Someone help you, help them. Someone bless you, bless them. Someone show love toward to you, show love to them. Someone be kind to you, be kind to them. Verse 32, for if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them that do good to you, what thank you you? For sinners also do the same. If you lend to them that, all, that you might receive, what thank you you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be called the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, that you be not judged. Condemn not, that you be not condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over, shall men give to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now what was Jesus trying to tell these disciples? If you'll give of yourself, if you'll love other people, and if you'll lend to other people, it'll come back to you again. It'll come back to you again. As we think about this passage here, let me encourage you to look at this text and try to consider this text and try to seek to practice this text. I'm not saying it's easy to do. It's certainly not easy to do. Bless them that curse you. Someone curses you and you bless them. That's not normal. All right, let's close as we consider the word of God here tonight. Let me encourage you to be an example of spiritual generosity at the level that Jesus would have us to try to be. And so let's go ahead and pray and close as we consider the word of God today.